Greetings everyone, my name is Nyla and I want to first of all thank you for tuning in. You are listening to Greener Thoughts. It's the podcast about environmental news, commentary, environmental facts, proactive ways you can protect our planet, and more. This episode topic is all about Europe's biomass burning of U.S. wood. Greener Thoughts is produced every Sunday and Thursday. Please be sure to favorite Greener Thoughts, review Greener Thoughts, and also share Greener Thoughts. All of these actions will, of course, help make Greener Thoughts grow. You can go ahead and contact Greener Thoughts by sending your voice message to anchor.fm forward slash Greener Thoughts podcast forward slash message, or you can send me an email to Greener Thoughts podcast at gmail.com. episode announcement really and it's about the winter solstice that is to happen uh, December 21st 2019 and there are specific times at which you can kind of uh, witness um, the uh, winter solstice and have that effect happen um, where you live so I'm going to give the uh, Northern American dates um, first, and then um, I want to proceed with the program. So, if you didn't know, the winter solstice is observed in many uh, various cultures around the world, and the winter solstice is a real sight to behold because it's known as a few different things. It's known as the uh, hibernal uh, solstice and also midwinter. So, some really cool names there. And you may be, you know, wondering how it happens. Well, a winter solstice happens only when the Earth's poles, um, only one, um, has reached its maximum tilt away from the sun. And it happens twice in the year. And in the northern hemisphere, it happens uh, from uh, the December solstice uh, usually occurs um, on the dates of the 21st. December or the 22nd of December and then in the southern uh, hemisphere the June uh, solstice or the summer solstice uh, usually occurs on the 20th of June or the 21st of June. So on December 21st 2019 you'll be able to uh, feel and you know know that the winter solstice is upon you and so I figured out the different uh, times and then I went online to just double check all the time differences so uh, the first uh, time uh, difference you'll uh, see um, in I think uh, approximately 6 19 p.m. in Hawaii um, and then uh, 7 19 p.m. in Alaska and 8 19 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and then uh, 9 19 Mountain uh, Standard Time p.m. Um, and then uh, 10 19 p.m. Central Standard Time and then last but not least 11 um, 19 p.m. Eastern Standard Time again on December 21st 
2019 is when the winter solstice will occur. Okay, so we're heading into the first segment, which is in other news. It's a quick dose of what's happening in today's world. The first headline is all about a well-known actress you may know about. Sally Field arrested at Jane Fonda's climate change protest in Washington. You can find out more about the story on HuffPost, aka Huffington Post, in the environment section. So recently, um, within the past uh, week or so, um, there was um, the occurrence of actress Sally Field uh, being arrested um, because she was protesting a climate change in action uh, led by another a notable actress, again, uh, Miss Jane Fonda. So um, the, the protest has been going on for a long um, stretch of time, so a number of weeks. It's actually um, in its 10th week. Uh, as of uh, the December uh, 13th date, um, and it is again a climate change protest, and uh, 25 other activists were also arrested at the protest. And so I think for me, um, I really want to say that Sally Field is essentially my spirit animal, and she's a great one, and I'm so proud of her for standing up to uh, what's going on, you know, the inaction again there. Uh, against climate change and things need to be done and she took a stand and others were also willing to take a stand as well. The second headline is all about uh, the Caribbean and different Caribbean nations. So for Caribbean nations, climate change means shrinking populations. You can learn more about that new story headline on grist.org. So Caribbean residents um, who haven't really uh, aimed to leave their homes um, after climate-related damage are in for a lot more headache. And so uh, when it comes to you know, those who live in the Caribbean uh, and who've made their home there, um, you know, those disasters that happen to plague the Caribbean uh, islands and nations, they make a disaster of their homes and they really face bigger worries that they can really ever imagine. Um, specifically, uh, one example is that after uh, Hurricane Irma, 95% of uh, Barbuda's uh, infrastructure was damaged in uh, 2017. So it was harder for uh, people who were uh, leaving, for example, Barbuda, uh, to come back because there was no infrastructure left. And then a survey out of the uh, University of Miami found that Puerto Ricans who uh, relocated to Central Florida had a harder time finding work or housing than Puerto Ricans who picked up and moved to Miami. And in South Florida, uh, there was that critical uh, volume of Spanish speakers. Then the last and third headline is all about the big... Uh, company Bayer and them recently being in court. So Bayer uh, appeals a $25 million Roundup uh, cancer verdict in the U.S. That headline was found on the W.com. So 
So the uh, German chemical giant, we all know Bayer, who makes really, really um, substantial amounts of chemicals when it comes to their medicines and whatnot. They're now in court, um, actually reversing a, a $25 million or 22.4 million euro uh, judgment. And um, one that was in favor of uh, this Californian man who blamed um, the weed killer um, or Roundup um, on uh, the company. So uh, the man is uh, Edwin Hardman, and he blamed Roundup for his cancer that he had. So Bayer argues that uh, the EPA has found that there's that the active ingredient um, within Roundup, a glyphosate, um, is not a carcinogen and that it's somehow not a concern for the public, which is not true. Um, but lawyers for the Californian man argued that Monsanto um, did not adequately warn of the herbicides, um, cancer risks that uh, are apparent in herbicides, um, and that Monsanto uh, was negligent um, in that. So the uh, topic for this episode is uh, really something different. Um, I wanted to talk about um, energy and biomass, which I really don't get to always talk about. And so the source um, from uh, or for this uh, news comes from npr.org in the environment section. And I think for me, uh, the reasons for this episode are kind of many, but there are some key uh, things that I want you to uh, remember uh, in this uh, episode. So uh, one of the first things is to remember Europe and then energy and then wood pellets because these are kind of important to uh, the whole news piece here. Um, and I also want you to remember that winter is upon us. Right now as you're listening it is winter um, in a huge part of the world. We're feeling it right now um, especially here in the U.S. It's crazy weather um, all types of weather events and it's not getting any better and um, during this time in winter you know there are huge energy bills and energy costs that are associated with trying to stay warm we all know this we all know that you know the longer and more uh, heavier and denser the snow days are um, the longer sometimes kids are out of school and that means also um, you know tacking on those days in the uh, summertime to make up for that kind of shortfall. There's also um, the fact that the bills get higher and higher and that there are ways that people try to stay warm and you know, create uh, better ways to cut uh, their electricity bills every winter. It can get really, really hard. Um, another thing and another reason I think why this episode I think needs to be done now is because Europe is somehow making financial incentives um, easier uh, for wood burning and you know it's instead of um, them using coal they're using wood and they don't have any plans of ceasing and that's a big issue and uh, another thing is how the wood is processed wood pellets um, you know they are very um, bad for a number of different reasons and the fact that the EU is on board with burning biomass, these wood pellets and other types of uh, wood mass, 
uh, that's the issue that is really going to affect uh, anyone who you know doesn't know about it um, and all those who somehow think burning less of something or, or more of something else is going to offset uh, the amount of biomass that's being uh, burned at the rate that it is whether it's in the U.S. or in Europe. Uh, so that's a problem there that I wanted to address. And so the burning of biomass is the issue for uh, this episode. And so um, with that, we're going to learn a bit more about it and why it's important to know about. And that uh, overall, uh, the burning of biomass equals the release of lots of carbon dioxide back um, into our atmosphere. So I entitled this uh, piece, A Worrisome Woes of Biomass Burning. Uh, the title is quite fitting for what we're going to talk about later. So I want to jump into the first um, part of it. So I'm going to talk about some different hardwood uh, types and uh, the reliance of the biomass fuel. So you may have heard of different popular uh, types of wood. There's so many different types out there. Um, and I, I know I can share a few of different uh, hardwood types. Um, there's some that you may know, may not have known, it's totally fine. Uh, some um, within the uh, article are uh, ones like elm and oak and, and poplar, which is a special type of tree in my opinion. Um, and then sweet gum. As an interesting name and there are many others uh, many other types of wood that are out there that can be also processed and uh, they vary in their uses and other purposes and you know some of the types of wood that are out there like elm and sweet gum and many others they have um, very poor valued use I'd say so because of the value that's deemed on the wood, you know, it's purpose for certain things and it's not um, readily um, grown. It's not readily uh, processed in a way that makes the tree uh, sustainable for what it's made for. So if you're using tons of elm or poplar trees, and you're using them only for a specific purpose and you're wasting that material because maybe there's no longer a market for that, then that's wasted material when there could be other uses, other viable uses for poplar uh, trees or for elm or whatever types of hardwood that are out there. So the types of uh, hardwood uh, that I described earlier, those five or six types, uh, they um, are you know different types of wood and they are not all treated special unfortunately some types of wood they get treated as plywood and are made um, as building material and then there are others that are made into furniture for use sure for use sure but um, sometimes you know we people we dispose of furniture uh, readily and you know that that furniture doesn't always get into the hands of people who need it. So it's in trash. And of course, those are resources that are wasted because that, um, that furniture, that, that wood that was um, cultivated and grown and cut down is then landfilled because there's no use for it because someone wasn't given that furniture uh, and it wasn't in their hands. It wasn't able to be used properly. 
as just an example of, of wasted resources. Um, but there are other uses for wood, like a filler for baby diapers, which I didn't know uh, was um, you know, happening. I thought mainly that uh, diapers, some portions of it was mainly um, plastic, but that's a whole nother issue. Um, other than that, a Parmesan and other um, things are also made uh, with wood or of wood. Um, and then uh, things like uh, frames for beds um, or picture frames is another way to use wood. Now, um, some of the time um, there are uh, less valuable piles of wood um, so wood limbs that are, are less valuable, less appeasing, less um, precious, they get treated like trash. In the process of uh, getting logs and making paper products and other types of products, there are going to be limbs in that process, which I learned uh, from the logging companies, which they don't think are very um, uh, valuable. They don't think that they're precious. So they will, of course, uh, chuck them and leave them in the forests. Um, leave them behind, sometimes burn them, try and get rid of these uh, limbs that they could care less about. Um, and then in recent years, um, what the article was talking about was that there are new buyers for wood, for, for the hardwoods I, talk, I talked about, for elm and, and for um, sweet gum and all these types of uh, uh, woods, wood kinds or uh, hardwoods, all these different types of wood, uh, new buyers are popping up in the U.S., and uh, for them, they are uh, popping up and they're sometimes um, burning what they could care less about and uh, making uh, pellet mills um, where they crush the wood and they mash it and then they make it into a burnable bite size, I call it. So they're making wood um, into smaller wood that is then burned for fuel. And this is happening uh, readily and uh, mainly in the southeastern part of the U.S. Uh, where these pellet mills are really forming quickly um, and that's not at all a good sign. So I want to uh, get uh, into the uh, idea of um, burning wood pellets which we're still in uh, on the first uh, topic here. So. I think there should be a shift in um, what wood pellets are doing and how they are counterbalancing uh, climate change and what they're doing uh, to our planet. There are some European governments that have uh, their sights um, on the financial incentives and the benefits um, of wood pellets because they, of course, um, aren't coal. They think that uh, pellet burning, wood burning, is better somehow than coal. And, you know, this means, essentially, that 7 million tons of wood pellets are shipped uh, or, or were shipped to uh, Europe last year um, in 2018. So um, there really is a market for uh, these wood pellets overseas uh, in Europe. But the exports uh, of wood pellets have not slowed or decreased. So this problem is getting worse. Now let's dive into um, a debate. 
uh, if you will. And it's about what deserves to be called renewable fuel. So that's what we're going to talk about next. So there's supporters of biomass that actually believe that uh, somehow it's a sustainable energy source. But as they put it, quote, uh, as forests grow back, they'll uh, recapture uh, that carbon dioxide from the air and store it in their branches and roots, roots, end quote. So it, it, it tells you uh, the nonsensical idea that people who believe that biomass is the answer, they believe that it's sustainable because somehow it recaptures the carbon dioxide that was lost at first. I don't understand it, but anyway, we're going to proceed. So because of the idea that is going on right now about uh, recapturing uh, carbon and burning of biomass, the EU is actually considered and actually considers uh, biomass its it being renewable, um, just like wind energy and also like solar energy and other types of renewable energy, unfortunately. And uh, there are uh, those who do oppose the new uh, legislation, um, but the new legislation is not what you think it is. It's not good. It's not a good measure of anything. This new legislation is called Renewable Energy Directive Number 2. And it was passed in the EU, in the European Union. And environmental groups are opposing uh, the law decision in court right now. And they're arguing that, quote, calling a large-scale wood burning a carbon neutral is simply bad math, end quote. So uh, RED number two, or the Renewable Energy Directive, which I talked on, it actually, uh, it binds all the EU members, so the EU or European Union member states, they are all called to um, reach this um, EU uh, target um, of 32% energy consumption from uh, renewable resources by 2030, which is all fine. But if the renewable resources, if the majority of that percentage is biomass burning and thinking that that's somehow renewable, that's the issue. Their goal um, is to, with that uh, EU goal, is to reduce um, their overall uh, carbon emissions by uh, 40% uh, below 1990 levels by the year uh, 2030. Next, I want to get into the uh, last um, section of uh, the news we're going to go ahead and talk about. And it's going to be about a cautionary real-life example of carbon sequestering. So there was this man um, named Mr. Um, Adam Collette, and he knows all about forests. It's amazing. He's like a modern... Um, apple Johnny Appleseed or a modern uh, lumberjack uh, man if you will and he's from this group called a uh, dogwood Alliance and it's an organization that does amazing things when it comes to protecting forests especially in the south in the south of uh, the US and so he uh, in the uh, NPR uh, article was talking about how there was a special I guess section of the forest that he knew about 
and it was full of brushes um, uh, and big trees um, and saplings and whatnot uh, before but um, he also noted that it was or is now consists consists of a, a briar patch and um, somehow it was a forest before which he talked on so four years back in uh, 2015 uh, he uh, saw that uh, the, the part of land that was really special, really cool, um, really flourishing was um, in this small town in North Carolina called Williamston. And it had, you know, tons of big trees, really lively, lush. It was beautiful. Then it was logged. That was the second part. So this is where um, the story sort of uh, goes south. And uh, some of the wood that was collected was made into pellets, those wood pellets that I was, that I was talking about earlier. This is uh, something to remember. And this is why I talked about it being uh, an important piece to the story um, as part of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this issue. So back to the story. So uh, Colette, uh, again from the Dogwood Alliance, he, uh, he calculated uh, the, the greenhouse gas emissions uh, from the wood that was cleared off of that patch of land. And so with the bigger trees, they actually captured tons of carbon dioxide out of the air every year. Perfect. But with the carbon sequestering, when that ended, it ended when the trees were cut. So the big trees turned small, they're dead, they're no longer living sadly they will no longer be able to go ahead and pull carbon out of the air like they once did before um, at, at previous levels so when many many years ago when those trees were alive and well they were of course pulling uh, carbon from the air but now it will never be like that again it will take them years those trees to go back to grow uh, to grow uh, back to what they once were before they were uh, logged and chopped away um, and then uh, another part that he uh, talked on was that so much um, of the carbon that was stored uh, within those trees uh, in that special part of forested land, it escaped um, when the wood pellets were burned um, and then uh, what was left were uh, dead tree roots that were also uh, decomposing and have since decomposed and have died. And Colette, um, in the end, he was talking about um, the forest and just the untimeliness of it. And he says, quote, uh, the soil here is still probably, probably releasing carbon for years, four years after the forest was cleared, end quote. And this is again, uh, Adam Collette um, speaking on the burning of the forest that, you know, of course lead to problems uh, for trees in the long term. That was a, a notable quotable there. I do want to go ahead and uh, break things up. And so I want to get into uh, what I think on the issue at hand. And so I want to talk about uh, the energy breakdown in the U.S. and some recent stats about it. And then pose some questions um, to you all. 
So I found some really great uh, information um, from the U.S. Uh, Renewable Energy Fact Sheet uh, from the University of Michigan um, in their Center for Sustainable Systems. I found a bit of um, information specifically about how energy is uh, composed of um, in the U.S. and how it's used. And so there are different percentages that I kind of want to talk about. So 80% um, of U.S. energy comes from fossil fuels, which is highly irregular and it needs to be broken as a, a solution, I think, to our bigger problems, especially those about climate change. 8.3% um, comes from, of energy, comes from nuclear power and then 11% um, uh, comes from renewable sources. And wind um, is the, one of the fastest growing renewable uh, resources yet. Um, it contributes just 2.4% of total energy in the country. So that's abysmal as far as the rates uh, of which it, com it is composed of our total energy. Um, sad to say, um, but... There are many other uh, types of energy that are, I want to say, a little bit better as far as wind, because they're not. But of the 11% of renewable energy uh, that's used in the U.S., of that 11%, 22% of that is wind. And then 23.3% of that, uh, that 11% pie is hydroelectric power and then uh, geothermal is composed of 1.9% and then biomass is a hefty 44.5% and then solar lastly is 8.3%. Now those are some startling percentages and all of those are composed um, in and within that 11% renewable energy pie. Biomass that we talked on earlier, the topic is wood. It's mostly pulp, um, paper products, paperboard products, industry waste products, those type of things. And um, that equals about 46% of the total biomass energy consumption. So all of those things I mentioned, paper, pulp, uh, paperboard, all types of other products, that's almost 50% of what we uh, make the biomass for and how we use it. And then biomass, to put it simply, when it's ignited, it is able to release energy. It's burned and it releases its previously stored like um, CO2 that it has back into uh, the atmosphere. Um, another thing I learned um, while looking at the fact sheet was that 124 acres of land um, that can be used for biomass, um, it just only generates one um, gigawatt hour of electricity per year, which is not a lot. So that's about um, one million kilowatt hours. And so that's like enough energy to power 200,000 uh, cars. So think about that, 124 acres, 
just to farm biomass and to use biomass on that land, just to power 200,000 uh, uh, cars for, uh, for them to have energy. That's not sustainable. We don't have land to create it for renewables that are going to be wasted by being burned just to power a small amount of cars, for example. That's just one thing you could power with that much. Uh, the second uh, thing I want to talk about is that out of the renewable energies that we do have and that we now have that can make the world better, um, I think biomass in the long run is just not where we need to be. It's not as impactful. Um, and there are um, articles that I've, I've um, gotten from others about things like ethanol, which is part of biomass matter, and it actually impacts several things. And one of them is fuel efficiency, which I didn't know about. So those who are opponents of ethanol gas, you're onto something. So ethanol gas is made from uh, things like corn, easily, uh, really cheap to um, make and produce, but at the same time, it costs us big. And there's a real issue when it comes to things like um, the ethanol uh, attracting water um, and, and reducing mileage in your car, in your trucks. And it will lead to, of course, bigger issues down the line, like drivability issues and other things when it comes to your car. Um, and there are other um, industries or arenas, I guess you could say, that are having a problem with ethanol being produced the way it is. Um, places like uh, marine uh, companies or outdoor uh, companies or aviation um, companies and, and people who specialize in that area. And so they're actually trying to uh, have things change uh, so that um, it's more equal and it's more um, effective to get rid of uh, ethanol the way it is in, um, uh, in our fuel system right now because it's not... Um, as good as we thought we did, it, it's not as good as we thought uh, it was as a viable uh, fuel source. So there's a real concern there. And anyone who loves their car would really love to have it, you know, have the most fuel efficiency, the most uh, impact for what you're paying for gas. Because sometimes gas, of course, goes up, goes down in price. And nobody wants to have their car ruined because of ethanol and you know now you know it's not so fuel efficient in um, you know what it does and all these perks that kind of are outweighed by the fact that ethanol can really let you down uh, with uh, it tearing up your car in the long run. A third thing I wanted to go ahead and talk on is you know ask um, what Europeans or those who happen to be in EU um, member states and countries, what do you think about the use of biomass? Um, how do you feel about the types of biomass that are out there that are in use? Things like, you know, scrap uh, lumber or forest debris or manure, which is a type of biomass. Most people don't really think of uh, manure as biomass, but it is out there. Um, things like a landfill gas. I kind of want to know um, from my international listeners, you know, because I do have um, a chunk of um, different 
uh, listeners and you know there are plenty of listeners who aren't in the U.S. About seventy uh, percent of my listeners are uh, in the U.S. across the nation, but there's a whole bunch in other places like Canada and like Australia and like Poland. They're my they're my top five as far as my listeners. So I'd want to know what um, those who happen to be those who happen to live in Europe. What do you believe and think about biomass use? Um, the incentives that your governments are having, those who happen to be um, in EU um, countries uh, and you're signed on to uh, be a part uh, of these uh, incentives that are out there for biomass, what do you feel is best? How do you use biomass? What are your plans for biomass? I kind of want to you know, know about what you feel. Um, last thing I want to talk about is just simply if biomass you know is only um the renewable energy that's being used at the rate that it's being used at uh, which is 44.5 percent um in that use you know how is that sustainable you know like i said it's the biggest chunk almost 50 percent of the renewable uh, energy uh, 11% pie, most of it is biomass, and it's not sustainable if, it, if, we're, if we're chopping down trees um, that stored um, the carbon dioxide that's now being released because of the burning and the chopping down that we did, and we somehow think that putting back trees into the ground and waiting 20 years for that carbon to be uh, taken uh, out of the atmosphere again is viable is not uh something that makes sense there's it's too slow of a of a rate for the trees to recapture carbon out of the air um from when we chopped down the earlier ones you know years ago it's just not um what's best for us and so um i cannot wait for the days when we don't need biomass anymore to burn you know the trees will thank us um, you know, even though they can't speak for themselves, um, we, I think, should speak for them and not be killing them and burning them at the rates that we do um, and find better solutions to combat this, this issue um, because it's a serious one. Um, for those who may not think that there are solutions, there are, and we're going to talk about a little bit um, of them, a sample of them. Uh, in the Mother Earth Minutes. Do you love Greener Thoughts? Supporting Greener Thoughts ensures more giveaways are available with even more exciting prizes, future Greener Thoughts merchandise, and surprises found only on Greener Thoughts. I greatly appreciate and love all the listeners who have tuned in and who support Greener Thoughts by doing good for the planet. One of the many ways I would love your support is by clicking the second lower link in the show notes of this episode. It's the direct support link for Greener Thoughts. So we've come to the Mother Earth Minutes where we review in the next few minutes actions that you can take to combat the issue in the episode and as always save mother earth 
The message for this episode is that I think some of the primary sources of how uh, we can uh, create our own energy today, uh, you know, they are affecting us now. And if we don't change our primary sources of how we get our energy, we're going to pay for it later. Um, One of the uh, sources of... Um, renewable energy consumption. Um, I learned uh, a bit about uh, how the um, Energy Information Administration works and they have a lot of data and I found some of their recent data from August 2019 um, and one of their stats they were talking about. And so um, petroleum is one of the bigger um, types of Uh, ways that we in America get our uh, energy from uh, or use of from so 37% is that percentage petroleum again and these stats are from um, 2018 and then uh, coal is about 13% um, of our uh, energy consumption consumption and then um, nuclear is um, that 8% and then natural gas 31% renewables are 11% I think one of the first steps in um, taking back our power is across the board mandating the levels of renewable uh, power generation that can be uh, done that can be amended uh, if necessary so ask yourself you know where do you live do you live in a state or a country or a region or province maybe where uh, energy where the way it's consumed the way it's generated the the way that it's powered by is not renewable it's not renewable then find a way to get it renewable so something like um, you you know acting politically um, being active uh, with your local uh, lawmakers your um, you know politicians that you connect with on the local uh, level maybe even even on a state level as well you can get legislation passed uh, specifically uh, targeting and, and being kick-started uh, to um, have a renewable energy uh, in your favor. So getting these projects off the ground is the number one thing you can do. You can be your best advocate uh, for that clean renewable energy in what you seek. Uh, for example, in Maryland, um, there are some um, really big uh, types of renewable energy that we have um, going on. So there's hydropower, um, a little bit in northern uh, Maryland uh, near some of our uh, dams uh, and then there's solar power and then uh, there's also biomass and wind but uh, when it comes to uh, the legislature the legislature in the Maryland's uh, legislature um, they put forth a renewable like portfolio standard so um, in that portfolio, there is all the renewable types of energy that Maryland uh, is or has uh, put forth uh, in a, as a target um, when it comes to its output of that energy, of that renewable energy. And, on, and in uh, 2004 is when the standard was first created. And since then, things have been glowing and wonderful because it's been amended every single 
um, or as often as needed. It's been updated. So since 2004, uh, that standard of renewable energy uh, has been uh, updated and, and increased. There's been demand uh, behind getting renewable energy in Maryland. That's my point. So because of that, there's been a different uh, targets uh, at which we've been able to uh, uh, get uh, targets for renewable energy together. And one of the latest updates was back in um, May 2019 that required 50% of uh, Maryland's energy, uh, electricity, or retail sales um, that were uh, and are to come uh, from renewable energy uh, sources, resources um, in 2030. So a ton, 50% is the target um, of which um, there should be a lot of renewable energy, um, electricity um, being uh, from renewable, from uh, retail sales um, all in the year 2030. So by that year, 50% of electricity, um, the retail sales of it should uh, be reached um, by the year 2030. And uh, Maryland is doing wonderful things. I'm so proud of my home state uh, where I am and it is trying to study and have the capability um, of holding 100% um, of its uh, electricity uh, from renewables and renewable energy by 2040. So um, a ways away, especially next year, it'll be uh, 20 years. So in 2020, it'll be 20 years um, that Maryland is trying to have 100% of its energy again come from renewable energy from renewable energy and renewable energy sources. So um, that's just one example, uh, one example close to home of how one state is, um, you know, taking on and championing, championing um, renewable energy. And so it's a, you know, effort at the local level, at, in small groups, you know, at the house, in your home. Um, and so, you know, getting that political backing, you know, supporting those who support renewable energy is the number one thing. You know, if, if no one knows that they can support it, you know, it's not going to be voted on um, at that level, at the state level. The uh, second tip I have is um, if you, by chance, um, love your biomass and I cannot convince you and you think this podcast episode uh, specifically about biomass would be great for maybe someone else or you are slow to maybe get off the biomass uh, bandwagon, then uh, there are some resources out there. And one of them, I think, is resourceful in a number of ways. And even though it is the burning of um, paper, it's recycled paper, so you're not um, chopping down new trees, virgin trees, to make your wood. Um, so it is sustainable in one way, but then in another way it's not because it is, um, although burning of uh, biomass because of the paper that's involved with it, but uh, for those who are just new to this and maybe they don't live in a place where there's renewable energy set up or they don't have an option uh, to burn anything else, there are options out there. 
Um, and so there are two videos. I've seen um, both of them. And the first one I saw, um, again recently, the one that's eight minutes, it's from uh, Tiny House Listings. And it's just over eight minutes. It's, you know, pretty funny. Um, you know, really short to the point, but it is, um, uh, it is resourceful in the way that, um, you know, using wood, um, cannot be because again, you have to, you know, buy wood, you know, chop it yourself, sometimes buy it from, uh, you know, someone you don't know, or it's just, it's, it can be, you know, a lot of a headache versus, you following the instructions in the video and you're using resources that you know would have been either recycled uh, depending on where you live or sometimes trashed because not all junk mail etc can be recycled it, it depends on where you live uh, the other video also in tip number two is um from mr east coast man and it's about 15 minutes really funny too both of these um, YouTubers are great in what they present as content and none of it, not all the content has to do with um, eco-friendly stuff or alternatives to different things, but um, they have a range of different um, topics on their channel, but I specifically pointed these two out because they happen to um, deal with getting um, your, your energy um, needs essentially for little to no cost, um, especially if you are uh, nostalgic to fireplaces, if you just somehow love burning things, if you like free things, and um, you know you think that um, heating your home this way is more of an option versus purchasing wood, or maybe not um, at a at a rate that's ridiculous, then. I'm using this uh, method of recycled uh, paper and uh, using that method of making it into a burnable burnable uh, material is better than if that works fine. Uh, then the last and uh, third um, tip I have for you is to check out some of my uh, previous episodes, my uh, podcast episodes about some of my uh, renewable energy uh, topics and also carbon itself. I have a little bit more than three, but I just named three um, because there are a ton of different um, episodes I've talked on. So the first um, and most recent um, episode um, was called Countries, Climate Change and Comparisons. Uh, world uh, renewable energy most benefits countries with high CO2 levels. Um, I had fun with that episode and there's a ton of resources in there, especially about uh, renewable uh, energy. I had fun uh, talking about those. Um, so that uh, episode would be most helpful, especially if you enjoyed this one. And so I did that one on December 1st, 2019. So you can go ahead and find that one. And then the second episode I did was the Crux to Carbon. Um, that's a short uh, name for that episode uh, title. And I did that episode on October 27th, 2019. And then last but not least, number three is uh, the Maryland's fight to close its coal uh, power plants. I did that one all the way uh, earlier 
um, on um, March 28th, 2019. The eco-fact of the day is that NASA cancels the first all-woman spacewalk after realizing it has only one appropriately sized spacesuit. That fact was sourced from the Sierra Club Sierra Magazine in the November-December 2019 issue. Greener Thoughts wants to hear your story. You can self-nominate or nominate an individual who exhibits environmental stewardship and protects the environment. If you volunteer in or work in an environmental company, either way, let Greener Thoughts know. If you want to tell your story and be in for a unique surprise, please send me a voice message. Just click on the third lower link in the show notes. everyone we have come to the eco company spotlight which is one of my favorite parts of the program and so of course I always request if you would love to let me know about your uh, environmentally related product or service and you would love for me to of course review it you can reach out to me and let me know about it so I'm going to let you know about this amazing company I love and their products, and they're called Tessa Mays. Tessa Mays is the number one organic salad dressing in the country, so in the U.S. And from its beginnings uh, of a mom of three boys that were reluctant to eat all their vegetables, she made her salivating salad dressing and the boys cleaned their plates, and the rest is history. I want to talk about the many flavors of Tessamay's salad dressing. So uh, Tessamay's, they have tons of different dressings and other products as well, and have amazing and delectable uh, flavorings and all types of different uh, things for everyone. There's something for everyone. So they have things like organic uh, balsamic, organic uh, creamy ranch, uh, and then also other organic options like the organic uh, bagel ranch, the um, habanero ranch, the uh, avocado ranch, the organic lemon garlic, the uh, creamy uh, Caesar, the uh, honey poppy seed, and the green goodness, and all types of other, again, organic um, types of uh, salad dressing. So they have a ton of different things. You can, of course, find about out about more of their uh, salad dressings and all their flavors uh, on their website www.tessamaze.com forward slash collections forward slash dressings. Next thing is that uh, I am really happy and proud to support Tessa Mays because they're Maryland-based, Maryland company. Uh, so go Marylanders. Thank you for being a Maryland proud um, and in Annapolis, no doubt. 
Uh, I want to talk about my experience of a Tessa Mays. So I've had their uh, avocado ranch and I love it. And it's funny because uh, there was uh, Aldi selling something uh, similar in the, you know, avocado ranch variety. And I was like, this is good. But now that I know, and I think, I believe that um, Tessa Mays is like the original of that. It's amazing to see that I'm going to be buying from uh, Tessa Mays when it comes to their avocado ranch. So I love it. Um, you know, a lot of times you have stores try to have, you know, the similar products when things hit off and really start selling like hotcakes. But Tessa Mays is the proof uh, that they're the originals uh, of this and they do it well. I love the fact that uh, it's now my new favorite when it comes to salad dressings. It's tangy. It's got some kick to it that's just also unique. It has multiple different uses uh, for the salad dressing amongst the other different products that they have on their site. Um, they have, you know, quick, easy, tasty recipes um, that you can, of course, use. Um, so they have tons of different things that you can mix with and craft uh, in your kitchen. Uh, on their site, they have tons of different uh, recipes for all types of bite-sized things, appetizers, edibles, and uh, things that taste really, really good. Uh, for me, uh, their uh, taste in um, salad dressings and combinations is just fresh and never dull. It has a great price to it too. So uh, below, um, I think, uh, six, seven bucks US dollars, really great price there. The packaging, um, I do love uh, the bottle um, and uh, the packaging when it comes to uh, opening and sealing it. Um, I thought it was at first a, a metal cap, but then I saw it was plastic. I was like, okay. Um, so the, there's some reuse with the bottle there. Um, and then I think it's great for anybody who loves um, avocados like me. To contact Tessa Mays, you can go ahead and uh, email them um, at their um, from their website. Uh, you can go and check out their email uh, by going to their website and then uh, looking at their email address, uh, customer happiness. That's customer uh, with a capital C, and then uh, the rest of the word, and then happiness with a capital H. Again, customer happiness uh, at Tessa Mays. Uh, dot com that's t-e-s-s-e uh, m-a-e-s dot com you can also use their online uh, order form there or contact form there that they have you can mail them at uh, the tree fort uh, 8805 uh, kelso key uh, 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 drive and then it's in essex maryland e S S E X Maryland, and then the zip code is two one two two one. Their phone number uh, is eight five five six nine eight three seven seven three, and they're available Monday through Friday, nine a.m. to four p.m. Eastern Standard Time. When it comes to Tessa Mays, our products they can be found online at Tessa Mays. Uh, dot com and uh, also amazon.com ebay.com and limited stock though They're also available uh, at um, Harris Teeter, Hy-Vee, 
Kroger, Target, a Walmart, Whole Foods Market, as well as many, many other places online and also in-store across the country where available. Tessa Mays is on the following social media platforms of Facebook at Tessa Mays. That's T-E-S-S-E-M-A-E, apostrophe S. Um, and then also they're on Instagram, Tessa Mays, uh, all one word, uh, all lowercase. They're also on LinkedIn at Tessa Mays. Pinterest, same thing, on uh, at Tessa Mays. And then Twitter, same thing. They're uh, at the handle Tessa Mays. And then lastly, same thing. You can find them on YouTube at Tessa Mays. A last thing for you is to go ahead and reach out to Tessa Mays if you feel so inclined. You can reach them at their website, www.tessamaze. That's T-E-S-S-E-M-A-E-S.com. And then click Contact Us. Uh, under the info uh, tab there to contact them or fill out their message form. So I wanted to go ahead and thank you all for listening and tuning in. Um, I know that it's been sometimes hectic with the schedule and planning things because again, I am traveling for work, but I do always try to Um, get things together and no I never forget uh, anyone who listens in on Green and Thoughts and I want to thank you all of course for always supporting me Uh, that means the most and so I never want to try and disappoint Um, and so I try to uh, make uh, things better and so I want to put forth uh, even more uh, time to schedule out things and you know do the very best I can I want to thank you all for being patient um, in uh, the episodes and everything. And you guys are uh, the rock that ties uh, Greener Thoughts all together. So until next time, you all take care uh, for another episode coming up soon. But until then, you all stay safe and be well. Take care. Mm -hmm.